You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. It is Tuesday. That means we have Sage Rosenfels. He is driving back home from Minnesota. He was at that Vikes-Bills game, and we will talk about that probably to end the show. Sage, how's it going? Be safe. Hope everything's well. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, you know that this was maybe the weirder of the the weirdest of the three weeks, I would say, I around would say, the NFL. Yeah. You know, everything is sort of think that you know a little bit in weeks one and two. This week got turned on its head. So uh, you know, the, the NFL is always. Uh, uh, it's it's never a dull moment or a dull week, it seems like. Yeah, I'm going to take a couple minutes here real quick and just give my thoughts on Steelers-Bucks. I Obviously, I'm in Pittsburgh. I didn't tied in with the team. And in a way, I kind of... This is who the Steelers are. I mean, if they make some big plays on defense like they did last night, interceptions, sacks, they got to dial up pressure to get home, then, they can, then they'll be tough to beat. But their, their coverage is still a problem. Um, Ben played, I thought, really, really well. I thought the offensive line was sort of overmatched without Gilbert and their best lineman, DeCastro, especially in the run game, but started to kind of pound on that rock and broke that free with Connor late in the game. Juju and AB were more than the secondary could handle. Juju's been really good all year. And the tight ends are starting to really emerge. Big play by McDonald. But by far, Roethlisberger's best game of the year um, what did you think of the two quarterbacks last night? Well, let, let's start with Ben. You know, yeah. I, I, he did play really well last night. He was sort of up to Ben's old tricks. You know, it was it was sort of that type of game too. I think it yeah. rained a lot during the day in Tampa. You could tell it was just sort of a wet, soggy field. Guys are slipping around a little bit. You know, that's Ben Roethlisberger time. He plays slot ball probably as good as anybody in the league. Uh, you know, even that inter- the interception he threw, I think it was thrown to Juju. That ball was right on the money. It was just a great play uh, by the Tampa defensive back. So, you know, obviously offense doesn't seem to be the issue, even even though without Le'Veon Bell and, and, and Antonio Bryan having his uh, sort of issues, uh, the offense is not the problem in Pittsburgh. It's that defense. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, is it this sort of thing where, you know, Dick LeBeau has been now gone for, what, three, you know, maybe three, four yeah. years or something like that? And, you know, a guy that's that good, a coach that's that good, uh, even when they leave, uh, all those little coaching points, they sort of last for a while. You know what I mean? You, you coach uh, a, a secondary player. Uh, he's a veteran. That information sort of gets passed down even while well after you're gone. But at some point with the way turnover is in the NFL, you know, my wonder is, you know, all those little great coaching points that Dick LeBeau, you know, made him, you know, really probably the best defensive coordinator in the history of the NFL. A lot of those now are sort of gone. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously different issues with this defense. You know, losing Ryan Shazier last year, he was a really, really good player. Uh, but they, you know, defense is their big issue. And, and right now that's going to be their sort of Achilles heel uh, for them to either make the playoffs or even try to make a run. Uh, to, to knock out the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I want to talk about the Bucks quarterback situation here in a minute. But now that you know, I have a former player on the phone and a quarterback, I want to get your opinion on cleats, footwear, in a situation like last night's game. Like, you could tell, especially the Steelers, had trouble. You know, the first quarter, they, they, they were falling down in coverage. And I know, you know, the field was obviously very soggy, not in great shape. But... 
how much can you really judge pre-game, these are the type of cleats I need? Or does it really have to play a few series to make that adjustment as a player? Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's usually you could sort of figure it out in pre-game, if not sort of the, what I can, you know, the pre-game before the pre-game. When you go mm-hmm. on the field, you know, two and a half hours before the game, run a few routes, warm up a little bit before you even come out and, you know, with your pads on with the entire team. You can usually tell then you make a few cuts but here's the thing. No matter what cleats you're wearing, sometimes fields are just so bad. Right. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, six-inch cleats. Uh, <laughs> there's no know, answer, yeah. There, there's just no answer. That turf just wants to come up. Uh, you know, the, the, the deeper the cleat, um, there there is a thing that, you know, those deeper cleats, the, they call them the screw-in cleats, mm-hmm. um, they have more separation between the, uh, the different cleats than those molded, you know, sort of speed, uh, you know, speedy wide receiver type cleats. And so that separation actually allows a better grip uh, than the, uh, you know, the, the, the molded cleats. And so uh, yeah, some fields are just so bad. You Pittsburgh has that the second half of the year, but some fields are just so bad. It doesn't even matter what you're wearing uh, on your feet. You're going to have be slipping and sliding throughout the game. Yeah. Let's get back to the bucks here real quick that, uh, I know Fitz, this was wor- this was quote Fitzpatrick's worst game of his three stretch, but he still made some throws. He put a lot of yards on the field. I know there were interceptions, and that's his mo, and that probably will never change with the guy. But I'm not sure all those were his fault or terrible plays by him. Didn't have any help from a running game yet again. Defense didn't help him either. The way I'm a, the problem is for me. Well, not the problem. A good thing to have is. I'm very much a Winston believer, though, and I think Winston is a much higher ceiling player. I think I would handle it this way, that they go to Chicago next week, Fitzpatrick's my guy, and then unless he lights the world on fire, over that week five bye week, I would make the transition back to Winston. Well, so this is where you and I are a little bit different. I'm okay. not a huge Winston fan. Uh, just never, and it's gotten really not. not we're not even talking about his off the field, right, you right. know, issues and all that stuff. Just never really been a huge fan of his of his game, just in general. Uh, and you know, it seems like the team just doesn't sort of they're not you know, uh, 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 you know attracted to him. He's not really a magnet that everyone. I uh, just sort of wants to have su- succeed. And you see that with Fitzpatrick. You do. You just sort of see how guys, you know, just love this old guy with the beard from Harvard. <laughs> sure. It's just sort of like, you know, it, you know, it, it's, he just sort of seems like one of the guys, I guess. Uh, and, and I love the way he just sort of swings it around and, and he, he will throw interceptions. He'll throw too many interceptions, uh, but he gives his team a chance to win. And I think, you know, with Fitzpatrick, uh, even if you're behind by two or three scores and sort of we saw last night, you always feel like you have a chance. He's like a streaky shooter. You know, it's, he's in some way sort of like Nick Foles. He has just absolutely great games, and he has other games where he's not so good. Uh, you know, he had, what did he throw, three interceptions last night? I think definitely yeah. one of them. One of them was a terrible job. I think it was the first one, the tip pass that bounced up in the air. Uh, they were in the red zone, uh, took points off the board. That was definitely not his fault. There was a, a situation where you had two guys on the outside that were blitzing that was what we call a fan situation or a dual situation where the right guard and the right tackle should be fanning out to the two defenders. Uh, the tackle stayed on the inside defender as the guard pushed out and didn't get out till late, uh, which caused basically a free rusher by the outside linebacker, uh, which then caused the tip pass and the interception. So I don't put that one on him. The other ones, yeah, those are interceptions. But I'll tell you what, when you're slinging it the way he does and sort of play with no conscience, uh, you're going to throw some interceptions sometimes. So, you know, he's thrown for 400 yards. Uh, in, in three straight games, first time NFL in NFL history that's ever occurred. 
I like going with them. And I know that you have to like sort of look towards the future and this, that, and the other. But you know, maybe the best thing for Jameis Winston is to sit for as long as possible to really make him appreciate uh, you know, the opportunity when he does get his, another opportunity again. Yeah, it'll be really interesting how those next couple of weeks play out with, with the Bucks, And they have a lot of weapons, but they also have a lot of problems with the team. Um, Sage, you do some work for The Athletic, correct? Yeah, I write for The Athletic Minnesota every week. Just wrote an article today about that debacle against the Buffalo Bills. I bet, I bet. And we will get to that for sure on this podcast. But I want to tell you about The Athletic. They've been good friends of the Locked On Network. What you need to do is go to theathletic.com. Locked on NFL, all one word, all lowercase. That gets you 40% off your subscription, your first year subscription. So you're only paying $2.99 a month. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The Athletic model is very simple. There's no ads. There's no pop-ups. There's no autoplay videos. Nothing, None of that nonsense. And what's crazy is subscribers have access to local and national content. You know, Sage does some of the local work. Mark Caballi does local work for the Steelers. I know him quite well. But they pump out more than 650 news stories published across all sports every week. That's an insane number. Um, So now I mentioned, too, that they have a national feel to them with the NFL. My man Ross Tucker is there. Dane Brugler, Jay Glazer, Lindsey Jones, Mike Lombardi, and and others. I mean, it's really a stacked group. So like I said, go to theathletic.com. Slash locked on NFL, all one word, all lowercase. That saves you 40% off your first year subscription, so you're only paying $2.99 a month. Now, Sage, I know something you do every week. Wait, you... real, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. Give, I me give a quick plug of the Please. athletic after your uh, ad for the athletic. I will say this it's, it's a really interesting concept what they're doing here. And for me, the fact that I can go on. Uh, I can read the other Vikings articles because that's sort of my main focus mm-hmm. and, and who and why I write uh, you know with them. But I also uh, get to go on the other you know whether it's the Steelers or the Bucks or uh, the Cowboys, whoever it might be, all these other local writers and and you know I, who have sort of the inside track. They're in the locker rooms every single day, every single week, and they really have that sort of local touch. Uh, as well as, as you said, the national guys like Ross Tucker and Jay Glazer. It's nice to get that sort of overall feel, but it really is nice to, if you really want to do a deep dive into really almost every team around the NFL, uh, the Athletic is really a great place to go. It's a great resource. Yeah, no question. Um, Something you're doing every week is checking out Mitch Trubisky. And for the most part, you know, you and I have been talking every week. For the most part, you've said a lot of positive things about him, and his tools are extremely apparent but he's struggling I mean it's not easy for him right now yeah I mean at the end of the day uh, you know quarterbacks are based off of wins and and on top of that you know how many points you score and and how many times you score in the possessions and all those types of things he does so many things well he's a guy you look at at the combine and you know the ball comes out really nice it's basically Mm -hmm. a you know nice spiral every time he's got really good arm strength and he's incredible really on the the short throws, these these bubbles out of the shotgun, and and uh, and, and these quick throws, uh, the, the intermediate throws, he's you know really really accurate. Uh, he has a really strong arm, and some in some instances I feel like almost too strong, where he sort of can't quite control it. Uh, he's a great athlete, you know, really one of the the better athletes around the league. Great feet, great mobility, uh, but he really is just sort of learning how to play the position. And uh, he has a really interesting offense because it's a sort of college offense. It's you know, sort of similar to 
what Kansas City is running, and it's different than a lot of other you know traditional NFL offenses. A lot of jet sweeps, uh, you know, a lot of those types of things. A lot of the RPO uh, type plays. But yeah, he is he is struggling some with his you know deep ball accuracy. That's definitely an issue, uh, in my opinion. Some decision making, which you don't always know. You know, it's easy for me to sit back here on a, on a Monday or Tuesday, or as I'm watching the game and going, you know, I wouldn't have made that decision. But I'm also not in that quarterback's room. You know, whether it's Nagy or, or, or Childress or whoever the quarterback's coach is, you know, who is coaching to make the decisions? Because as an example, early in the game, they decided, I think it's about the second quarter, they decided to throw a just a straight-up go route to Taylor Gabriel, right? Makes sense. Taylor Gabriel, one of the faster guys mm-hmm. in the NFL. He's also going against Patrick Peterson, who is who is in a cover-three sort of mode, bailing. He's a bailing corner, so he's sort of backing out of there, just sort of asking to throw it deep. And, of course, Patrick Peterson cuts him off, absolutely plays it perfect. But on top of it, uh, the quarterback throws the ball about four yards out of bounds, right? So, for me, bad decision and bad throw. I, Even though Gabriel's fast, I just would not have made that decision. But it's hard for me to critique it because I don't know what he's being taught, you know, in those meeting rooms on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And every coach is different. There's another situation. Uh, I believe in the same quarter he had a slant to the right uh, to their tight end, Burton. All right? Now... Burton's a really, really good pass-catching tight end. All right, he's not Gronkowski. He's not a huge, huge guy, but he's a good pass-catching tight end. He, too, is going against Patrick Peterson. I don't like that matchup. No, he tries right. to stuff the ball in there. It's knocked down. It's incomplete. You know, People don't really think much about it, but I'm sitting there going, like, listen, you just there's times where you like the tight end matchup, in particular against a linebacker or a safety or maybe even a smaller corner or a third corner. Not the situation against Patrick Peterson. To me, Patrick might be the best corner in the NFL right now, so I am – avoiding him at all costs in particular uh with you know with my tight end versus him so you know there, there's a couple situations like that where i question some of his decision making um but probably my biggest issue right now is you know his long ball accuracy is off uh he's he sort of bounces around with his footwork you can tell he's just not a rhythm passer uh and i really do believe you have to become sort of a rhythm passer first before you can ad lib and right now he's sort of an ad lib phase uh, which isn't a great foundation to lay for a young guy. No, no, I hear you. And not surprisingly, despite what people say in front offices, first-round quarterbacks are now getting thrust into the starting job. And we have a new one in Arizona, in Rosen. I was really high on him coming out of school. I'm just curious what your scouting report on him was, or or is to this point. I mean, obviously it's very, very incomplete, and we'll see. But and I, I don't want to judge much off of last this past game where you got hey, go win it for us with four minutes left. But I like him as a pure pocket passer a lot. I really do. I mean, he really, the ball comes out really nice, Mm -hmm. and he's got a really strong arm. For not being a big guy, he has a a very, very strong arm. Pretty accurate. You know, you watch the highlights on on Sunday night or Monday morning. You see the interception to sort of end the game, uh, which there was no pocket. It was four, I believe it was fourth down. He had to make that throw. It was the only guy to throw the ball to. It was intercepted. But before that, uh, he made about, I think he was about four or five or so going into that drive, made some really nice throws. His first completion was into a really tight window, and I thought played pretty well. He's not a guy that's going to be a, a big-time playmaker. He's going to move around the pocket uh, you know, uh, pretty mm-hmm. well, but he's not a big-time playmaker. Uh, he you know, just doesn't have a great team around him right now. That Arizona team is, is definitely in a rebuilding phase. Uh, but I do like him going forward. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. That O-line worries me f- for his skill set. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I tell you what, you, we saw in the preseason, and I know, you know, when, when Rosie was in the preseason, he was just getting harassed. Of mm-hmm. course, for the mo- more often than not, he was with the number two offensive line, all right? But I do have this thing where if the two offensive line is terrible, there's a good chance that one offensive line might have some issues as well, especially <laughs> as the as the season goes on. There's usually one, two, or three guys goes down amongst those ones, and so you know your sixth, your seventh, your eighth guy, they're going to get thrown in there. So if they were terrible in the preseason, now those guys at some point will be there during the regular season. That offensive line uh, is a concern in, in Arizona, and again, it's it's uh, it's just not a a great team right now. They're totally in rebuilding phase. Uh, but uh, it always helps for a young quarterback to have a good offensive line, a uh, good running game, a really good defense, uh, so he doesn't have to go out there and try to be sort of the hero. Right now, the quarterbacks in uh, uh, in Arizona sort of have to play that way. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Um, Baker Mayfield is really the talk of the league right now, and rightfully so, and he should be the man in Cleveland. Hugh finally decided, yes, it is going to be Baker starting going forward. I, would, I loved the way he played the game when he came in. The energy, the footwork, the accuracy is night and day from, from Taylor. And not that Taylor's a bad player, but Mayfield is much more of a pure quarterback. And I, I assume you liked what you saw. Yeah, I'll tell you what. He's yeah. Extremely accurate. Uh, he makes his decision and he goes with it. You know, he, he's a guy that has a sort of happy feet which people start sometimes knock on, I like it. You know, he has happy feet, but he's always looking to throw. He's always going through his progressions. His mind, he might, he might be like a kid that has like ADD or something. His mind moves <laughs> right. really, yeah. really fast. He yes. sees and collects information really fast. And then when he make, tries to make a throw, he delivers it, uh, in, you know, with a lot of uh, uh, a lot of confidence. And, and it's very accurate. He's made really good decisions in that ball game. It is great, by the way. Quick process When you... Really good processor. That's that's yeah. where I was thinking. When it's a, it's actually really good. I believe for a young quarterback to be thrown into a game sometimes when you're losing. I, I, it's for me as a backup guy, that was sometimes the best time to go into a game. If you get, you know, I, I when I would play, if I get thrown in and we're only up by three points, that's a tough place to be because at that point you sort of only <laughs> right. can lose the football. <laughs> right, you're like a closer you're coming by in. Fourteen. It's like, listen, go out there and let it go, you know. And yeah. and, you, and if you throw a couple of interceptions, we're probably going to lose anyway. We're down fourteen when our rookie quarterback goes in. If you come back and you make things happen, now you're the hero. So it was sort of a perfect storm in that situation. He played great, made great decisions. His accuracy is really something else, and that we've talked about before. But that is one of those things when he was coming out, when people were talking about, you know, Josh Allen is the guy with the the big ceiling, which he still has, I think, the highest ceiling of everybody. Uh, you know, it was, it was Josh Rosen, the most accurate guy, you know, who, who was going to be the, the best quarterback, uh, Baker Mayfield, most accurate, best decision maker amongst these five first rounders. And he proved in that football game on Thursday night. Yeah, it was really encouraging. And you mentioned Allen. I want to get to him and the Vikes and that craziness that went down in a minute. But first I want to tell everyone about my bookie. I've told you guys about these. I told you about my bookie many, many times. Every Friday, I go to their site, and I pick games straight up, and with their spreads, have had quite a bit of success. So, I would only recommend a service like MyBookie to my listeners that's been good to me, and they absolutely have been. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have live in-game betting, which is one of my favorite things to do. You get a feel for your team. They have over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. They have other sports, too, of course. They have everything you ever want to bet on there. But 
this is kind of crazy. They're, they're so popular and are doing such a good job that my bookie is so slammed with new betters, they want to give everyone the best service possible. So what they want you to do is make your deposit of over 100 bucks after 7 o'clock Eastern, and they'll throw in another 25 bucks for free. That's if you use our promo code LOCKEDON25. So join now, and MyBookie will not only match your deposit dollar for dollar, but if you deposit after 7, they throw in 25 bucks for free using our promo code LOCKEDON25, LOCKEDON25. So that's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use our promo code and add that 25 bucks at the end of it. So it's up to you guys, but I would wait until after dinner to make my deposit, get the free money. you got to love that. So you win, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, Sage, let's wrap it up with the game you were at. The Bills walking into Minnesota and really handing it to the Vikes. And none of us saw this coming. But one thing I did say in Friday's show when I picked the games was, hey, I'll take the Bills with the points just because this has that trap game feel to it. You know, it's a week two, you battle to a tie against Aaron Rodgers and your biggest rival. It's human nature to take the Bills a little bit lightly, especially with the Rams looming on Thursday night. It just screamed trap game. But, I mean, by no means did I see this coming. Yeah, it was like 100% the definition of a trap game. You know, yeah. In particular, uh, you know, that tie against the Packers was a sort of, con- uh, in a sense, a controversial tie. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of chatter going on about that. Shoot, the chatter's still going uh, with those roughing the passer penalties. And so that game... Uh, just sort of uh, was, you know, sort of a hangover after a tie, which you probably don't, you know, hear about very much. Sort of ran into a perfect situation, uh, you know, with the Bills. And the thing about the Josh Allen, and, and uh, we're, we're talking about these rookie quarterbacks here, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about for years. These all these rookies. Sure. Um, he's so talented. He also like doesn't know anything. Which, <laughs> right. which he's like a wild horse, strength, right? Think, yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to like use that against him, but like. Sometimes that's your strength. Like, you don't know what you don't know. And so he's just out there, you know, sort of just keeping things simple. You know, when his first or second read's not there, he's going to take off and run. And he's such a good athlete. I mean, he outran Anthony Barr Mm -hmm. to the end zone on that initial touchdown. I mean, Anthony Barr is probably one of the top, you know, speed and athletic linebackers there is in the NFL. He can cover. He can rush. He can blitz. He can sort of do everything. He's a great athlete. And Josh Allen, to state straight uh, you know outran him to the pylon uh they had a couple of really nice plays to find uh, a couple of guys wide open in the end zone you know for a touchdown one was there a sort of fake wide receiver screen that ended up being a wheel route that he was wide open it was just sort of this perfect thing where they start off the game the bills had the ball first they get a they, they're, they're three now they're gonna have to punt but on the sack on third down they get a the, the vikings get a rough for the pass or penalty uh there's another penalty on the drive for a horse collar tackle by bar next thing you know boom it's seven nothing and then the vikings turn the ball over twice and before you know it it's 17 nothing and minnesota just doesn't have the type of team they're just not built to be a team that comes back and i know that's why they went out and got kirk cousins because all right we got to have a guy who can bring us back in those situations where you sort of want to have a quarterback where you can hey we need you to basically take over this team you know drew Brees, aaron Rodgers, tom sure. brady we're down 10 with six minutes left. We're down 14 going to the fourth quarter. We need to have a dude to bring us back. They were hoping Kirk Cousins is that guy. The problem is their offensive line is just not built that way. 
you know, they're just not. They're got their their line is much better run blocking and play action blocking uh, than they are just straight drop back. So you know, the Vikings get behind, which they did immediately in that game. Uh, they're immediately thrust into a sort of a game plan, which they were not built uh, to be successful at. Yeah, and you mentioned before how you like coming off the bench when you're down. I mean, I almost and and with Allen's makeup, like you said, I mean, he's a wild stallion that doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. What's he had to lose going into Minnesota as a 17-point dog? Let's put it all out there. And they got up early. That worked out great for them. And like you said, I mean, the Vikings aren't really built to come back as much as you would think. But I also thought the Bills play callers did a real nice job of getting Allen comfortable early in a hostile environment against a great defense. And he took it and ran with it. Yeah, you know, the, the couple of things, you know, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, let's give some kudos to him. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy, a longtime Patriots guy, but was in the college game. He was the Alabama coordinator a few years ago under Nick Saban. So he has seen all these college offenses. And that first touchdown pass, that was very much a college type of play, really well executed. The one thing about Minnesota's defense, uh, well, two things I'd say. One, extremely talented. They've got pass rushers. Everson Griffin was out in that game. That's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. They've got some good interior guys. They've got good linebackers. Uh, you know, Harrison Smith is an absolute stud. They got good cornerbacks, so they've got a talented defense, but it's not a super complex defense. This is not, no. you know, Rex Ryan three-man fronts, people walking around all over the place, overload blitzes, five, six guys coming from a side with zone droppers. It's not that style of defense. They really just do about three or four things. It's sort of, you know, let's let's just line up and man for man. We think we're better than you over the course of. You know, sixty plays and and uh, execution so based offense. And, it's execution to, yeah. based offense. Yes. So, so if you can get some penalties, or you can get some wins, or or you can get a couple of situations where uh, the defense doesn't, uh, uh, you know, that they lose a couple guys in coverage, which they did in this game. Uh, you have guys that end up being wide open because they play so much man to man coverage, and even when they play zone, it's really that their their cover four zone is sort of a man to man underneath uh, time defense. You have a lot of situations where linebackers and safeties have their back uh, turned to, to the ball as they're chasing. And so any completion underneath or uh, anyone that's lost in the shuffle, um, say a scrambled play, uh, there's a lot of room before anyone can get their head turned around to try to come back and make that tackle. Yeah. And Sage, I'm going to let you go. We're going to get together next Tuesday as always. Thank you. But before you go, your Vikes are going to play a game on Thursday. Turn around, quick turnaround against... What I think is the best team in the league right now. Who are you picking in that one? Oh, I'm picking the Rams in this <laughs> okay. one. You know, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I would say I, I feel about ninety percent comfortable with this, and it has really nothing to do with the fact that the Vikings just played a terrible game. Uh, it's more the fact that the the Vikings one they lost, but two they're going on the road all the way up to Los Angeles. You know, yeah. Minnesota, LA is about a three and a half, four hour flight. Uh, they're going to fly out late Tuesday night, uh, but they got to go on the road. Uh, to Los Angeles, who is just a loaded team, the best roster in the league. You know, the D-line is just incredible. Uh, that is a weakness of the Vikings is the offensive line. Um, I, I think this is going to be uh, – this might be a 17-point win uh, I, I wow. for the Rams. And that sounds crazy. Uh, you know, the Vikings were in the championship game last year. Uh, a lot of people have them as a Super Bowl contender this year. Uh, through three games, I'm just not seeing it. I am seeing it by the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, and I'll dig into this later in the week. But just off the top of my head, my initial thoughts are Peters and Tlaib, if they're healthy, I know both are fighting some things. They can do okay against Thielen and Diggs. But, man, 
they are not going to block Donald and Sue and Brockers and the blitz packages. I mean, that's a bad matchup for the Vikes offense. Yeah, there is a couple, that, as you said, that the, the two corners, Tlaib and Petersby, I, it looks like they're going to be out. That, that's okay. the reports that I've seen. That's a huge advantage to the Vikings. Dalvin Cook is going to come back, the running yeah. back, who didn't play this last week, and that's big for the Vikings. Ever, Everson Griffin, I'm sure, is going to still be out, uh, but I still really do like the Rams this game. Thursday night games, you go back, and I think it's about a 70 75% clip where the home teams are winning these things. It's hard to win on the road for these Thursday night games. It's only a couple days of preparation, in particular when you're flying uh, you know, four hours across the country. Yeah, and there's a theory that, you know, poor offensive lines don't travel well, especially on a short week, especially against Aaron Donald. So, say, say this was a blast, bud. Let's do it again next Tuesday. Sounds great. All right, take care.